This is Konzenshu, the podcast, episode 463 for the week of December 23rd, 2018. Hello, welcome back to Konzenshu, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Dragon Ball and Galactic Patrol fansite. Konzenshu. Yes, we cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. I'm not going to say this time that we are on a weekly roll and nothing will interrupt our schedule as we charge forward because as soon as I say something like that, something pops up and I don't get an episode out on time. But Julian, you join me once again. Hello, good sir. Hello there. All right. It's Julian. It's me. My name is Mike Vegito EX. We're back at you this time uh, with Dragon Ball content with... Dragon Ball Heroes content with non-Dragon Ball Galactic Patrol content, which then loops all of it back around again to Dragon Ball Galactic Patrol content. Pretty much, yeah. Julian, I adored Jocko when it came out. We talked a lot about Jocko. We reviewed it uh, ourselves here on the podcast. We reviewed it multiple times over in written form. Uh, and suddenly the Galactic Patrol is relevant all over again. So I said, hey, why don't we bring things all the way back around to the beginning? We've done kind of this uh, random series of primer episodes here in the podcast. We've done stuff like that for Dr. Slump, um, for other associated, assorted things with the Dragon Ball franchise. We're going to do it for the Galactic Patrol, and we're going to tie it in with uh, ongoing Dragon Ball stuff, which I, I didn't really expect things to go this way. Uh, if you're following a Along with the Dragon Ball Super Manga, we have entered a new manga-exclusive arc, uh, the Galactic Patrol Prisoner arc. Not only is Jocko back, but uh, a whole bunch of new characters have been introduced. Not only that, but over in Super Dragon Ball Heroes, we have a new Galactic Patrol member that may not be uh, kind of on the up and up. So it, it all ties together wonderfully. So we're going to talk about the new arc a little bit. We're going to talk about the new character in the game a little bit. We're going to talk about Sachie. We're going to talk about Gia. And uh, then it comes back to Jocko. And then basically you're in present day. And by present day, I mean 2013. And then you jump ahead to 2018. You are truly in present day. That sounds like a lot of content. It sounds like it's all over the place. And it kind of is. However, <laughs> I guarantee you that all of it is uh, related and intertwined. And I don't think I've mentioned this uh, for a long time, if at all, but for a long time, I've uh, actually been posting timestamps with the episodes and all of the various postings uh, on the website, uh, the forum post, uh, even on the YouTube posting. So if you want to skip around and get to various parts, or if you want to go back and re-reference things, uh, the timestamps are there. They're they're not super, super granular, but overall like news and topic and wrap up, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's all in there. So keep that in mind. I got to say, though, what, what I'm looking forward to with this new arc in uh, Dragon Ball Super is he finally has sensible panel layouts where he's not cramming everything in. <laughs> that is certainly going to be a part uh, when, when we do a real review of it. This is not going to be a review of the arc because we're only... A chapter and heart and a half into it, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, that's as obvious as it gets. <laughs> as I we can tell what's going it. on. Oh and man, and I haven't even seen this arc before, right? <laughs> which is a good thing. Uh, the opposite was true for the tournament because right. everything was crammed in so much. Oh, all right. So uh, that all being said, Julian, uh, kind of following up on a previous episode, we're going to wrap up uh, the the last interview from the Super Dragon Ball Heroes eighth anniversary. 
uh, guidebook because that's a world mission related. We're just going to kind of start there and move our way forward. So again, it's a jam-packed episode. Uh, enjoy everything we have coming your way this episode. Let's get on into this episode. So obviously there's Jump Festa and V-Jump and official website, World Mission News, all that kind of jazz. Julian, let's start with that interview. It's the third of kind of like the main interviews in the Super Dragon Ball Heroes 8th anniversary book that came out uh, in November. So they're uh, talking to uh, uh, Soya Mikumo, who is a producer for Bandai Namco Entertainment. And they're talking about uh, the development process and a little bit about uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff on Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission, which is coming to the Nintendo Switch in the near future. I guess let's set this up by saying, okay, so this is, it's coming to the Switch. That's uh, that's new for the series. The previous home ports have all been on the 3DS, which worked great for Dragon Ball Heroes because uh, it kind of mirrors the arcade where you have two screens, where you have the bottom touch panel card screen, and then you have the top screen, which has all the action. We got Dragon Ball Heroes Ultimate Mission. We got Dragon Ball Heroes Ultimate Mission 2. And then we got Dragon Ball Heroes Ultimate Mission X, which was kind of like a, a, a love letter slash swan song for the pre-super Dragon Ball Heroes. It really included as much as uh, they, they possibly could. Uh, so right. here we are with Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission, this being the fourth home slash portable uh, port slash conversion adaptation of Dragon Ball Heroes. Uh, we're over here on the Nintendo Switch now. Uh, that kind of makes sense. Uh, 3DS is actually still alive and, and slightly kicking. It's doing a little doggy paddle behind everything, but it's it's uh, technically still alive. But they wanted to go over to the Switch. Uh, I think that makes sense. Uh, there's going to be some concessions uh, going away from two screens here, though. Uh, but let's get into the interview a little bit now that we've set the stage for what is this game. Yes, yeah, so they get a little bit into why it's on the Switch. but um, So they start out uh, just asking him uh, about the process of um, getting into the development of Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission. I'm going to just call it World Mission from now on because that's kind of a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> okay. And he says, um, for the Dragon Ball Heroes game series, uh, Ultimate Mission X was kind of, as you say, like the culmination of that. And they made it with that intent in mind. Um, and thanks to that, um, they got a lot of good responses from the users and the players. And so they decided to step into uh, the development for Super Dragon Ball Heroes on a home console they were debating whether to go with the 3DS or the Nintendo Switch. But in terms of uh, the current state of the market, uh, with with just uh, the momentum behind the Nintendo Switch, as well as the graphics for uh, Super Dragon Ball Heroes, which were yeah. a step up from the original Dragon Ball Heroes, they felt like the Nintendo Switch was the good choice, and that's what they went with. Yeah, I, I was always railing against Ultimate Mission, Ultimate Mission 2. It kind of ran like hot garbage. Uh, they seemed <laughs> like they finally figured out uh, how to tap a little extra juice out of the 3DS, and not even the new 3DS. My understanding is that it uh, it ran well on the base model, too. I've been playing on the, the new model with Ultimate Mission X, but uh, a relatively steady frame rate in that game was kind of surprising when I popped in Ultimate Mission X. And I feel like the way they're going, this is my personal opinion now, Not I'm, I'm not reading from the interview, but... Mm -hmm. I imagine uh, if they do a next generation update of the Switch, it's going to maybe have a miniaturized version as well. And that would be perfect as a portable console. Yeah. yeah. And that probably will end up supplanting the 3DS at some point in the future. Nintendo's always done this. There, there was the classic explanation of, oh, the the 
DS is our third pillar, uh, separate from the Game Boy Advance and the console market. And Nintendo made a concerted effort to actually combine their console and their handheld divisions over uh, the past previous years. Uh, but like you said, uh, a, a real dedicated portable. I mean, the Switch is portable, but it's also like a real console and just yeah. hanging out there in your knapsack uh, and doesn't quite fit in your pocket at the same time either. Right. Uh, Nintendo is known for multiple hardware revisions. Never Never mind iterations within revisions. So I think it's right. very clear we'll get uh, iterations of the Switch at some point in the near future. But like you said, it's all separate from the interview here. But sure. Yes. So anyhow, um, then they ask uh, Mr. Mikumo if um, if he had any moments um, during the development process where he thought, this is awesome. <laughs> Because, of course, this is a promotional interview. Oh, uh, tell, tell me he talks about Broly. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Not this time. All right. Uh, and he says, first of all, it, it really was uh, that they were really able to recreate the experience of Super Dragon Ball Heroes on the Switch. So Dimps is developing the game. Right. And the very first ROM um, that they got uh, when they tried playing it on the actual console uh, he remembers getting this just so in, in such intense emotions that he was like shaking Aww. just because as as the developer, uh, what he was worried about the most is whether the huge amounts of da- data in the game would actually run yeah. <laughs> on the console. <laughs> uh, but uh, they managed to clear that hurdle at the very first stage. After all, the Dragon Ball Heroes uh, machine was massively upgraded for Super Dragon Ball Heroes. And that time, uh, the players themselves, he imagines, went, wow, this is awesome. It doesn't look that much better. It really does. It, it looks like Upgrade's PS2 graphics, because it is. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and he imagines that it was he was able to experience some of the same uh, feeling with that. Really wants uh, everyone to, to see for themselves, <laughs> because of right. this promotional interview. They say they ask. Uh, well, it's been announced to include up through Universe Mission Two, but as a player, of course, they are hoping for missions after that. And he says, "Well, first of all, let us concentrate on uh, getting getting this uh, to finish completion, so we can to, so we can sell it. <laughs> and uh, after that, they will." Uh, take into uh, the players' uh, opinions and their requests, uh, take them into account going forward. But for now, they're concentrating on just getting it ready. I mean, Ultimate Mission 2 got a little bit extra support, and Ultimate Mission X definitely got some extra support post-release. I expect that World Mission will do the same. But uh, mm. we we are kind of getting a downgrade in, in many ways. Uh, when you look at Ultimate Mission X, how it included literally every mission from every previous upgrade and iteration of Dragon Ball Heroes, in addition to its own original story, in addition to things like its uh, uh, like matcher or scenario creation mode, which I know World Mission is going to have uh, some of that as well, but uh, we're not going to have as many cards. They're not going back and adding all of the pre-Super Dragon Ball Heroes cards. Well, that said, they still have over 1,100 cards. They do, uh, which sounds like a lot, but as someone who's been slowly plotting their way through Ultimate Mission X, uh, there's a lot of cards out there. Um, plus, you know, uh, I'm sure they're giving themselves room for sequels as well, which right, of course, include more stuff. They can't uh, do everything with the first one or else where they have to go from there, you know? Right, right. But so the interview continues uh, with the interview saying, okay, so we can uh, rest assured about the gameplay. And then um, there's one other thing that that they're curious about, which is 
uh, the story mode. And uh, Mikumo actually mentions that the story this time is based on uh, Dragon Ball Heroes Victory Mission, which was previously serialized in V-Jump. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the stories up modes up till now, uh, it was sort of said that the main character was you, the player. Uh, but this time, they'll have the main character beat. Yeah, very specifically beat from Victory Mission. Yep, through which you will enter the world of the story. Who's popped up before, kind of like little things here and there, but this is very, like, he's front and center, like, this is actually Beat. Right, they they mention him by name and thing. And there are other characters who are basically the hero avatars, but they're human forms, which match the way they appeared in Victory Mission in the trailer. Right, we saw Note and Froze and someone else, I forgot. I forget too. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Um, so he says um, <clears throat> he, he likes the idea of having these life-sized children uh, become a team in uh, Dragon Ball Heroes. They thought, well, maybe they could make the story mode for this game like that. And uh, if you look at the logo for uh, Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission, you'll notice these uh, like multicolor uh, little accents on either side. Mm-hmm. And those actually represent the colors for the members of the uh the uh, Dragon Ball Heroes team based on the characters in Victory Mission. And then they uh, say, lastly, um, they want him to say as much as possible about the mysterious new character we will also get into in a minute. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this book is several months old now and doesn't have all the latest information that we know. Right. We've been getting a tease of this character for a couple months, and this was still in the the tease era. Uh, But we'll get to it. Yep. So Mikumo says... um, so recent Dragon Ball characters have largely been uh, human types, or at least that was his impression. So they wanted to go with uh, more of an alien type taste, like a Frieza for this one. There are exciting uh, secrets, but uh, you'll have to read them in uh, f- upcoming issues of V-Jump. <laughs> Which are current issues of V-Jump. <laughs> yep, and that's how, how much we get. Oh, the the caption for the picture with... The character whose name we now know is Shirasu is says Teki no ka, Mikata no ka, no ka. So shite monogatari wa ni dou kakawatte iku no ka. Michi naru design no shin kyara ni kitai shite kure. So is he a vil- is he an enemy? Is he an ally? And how is will he be um, involved in the story? This new character with a mysterious design is something you will have to look forward to. Well, that basically brings us to, uh, like we just said, the the current issue of V-Jump, as it just came out, the February 29 issue. Remember, V-Jump is uh, forward dated to two months, so even though it's December 21st when it comes out, it is the February 2019 issue. And Julian, we pretty much have a breakdown of uh, who this character is, and then we ended up getting a trailer to uh, accompany it, uh, along with Jump Festa. Uh, So we know the character's name, and we know a little bit more detail about him can you break down the character's name for us first here and then our theories on uh what it may be and why we're going to spell it what we're spelling it for now yes so it's shirasu it's all in katakana it's shi uh a line to a length in the vowel da su and um in terms of what our interpretation of this is we've noticed that jako whose full name is Jako Chirimen Tempiboshi, uh, is based on uh, Chirimen Jako, which is 
a kind of uh, food made up of dried fish, um, which are sort of crinkly. So uh, Chidimen Jaco is sort of these crinkly dried fish. And then uh, introduced in the latest chapter of uh, Dragon Ball Super uh, in V-Jump, the arc that's not in the TV show, is Merusu, another member of the Galactic Patrol, whose name appears to be based on Sudame, which is... uh, shredded dried squid so with these seafood names in mind we suspect that uh, this character's name is shirasu based on shirasu i should say which is um like young sardines or white bait which are another topping you can put on rice just like jaco so um that is our uh, our hunch our assumption and for that reason we are spelling it in uh in romaji S-H-I-I-R-A-S-U. And uh, we should also note that this character was designed by Toyotaro, who is also responsible for the Galactic Patrol prisoner arc mm-hmm. in Dragon Ball Super. Yes. So, if anyone's going to be slavish to name pun uh, series, uh, it's probably him. Yeah, I would assume so. Well, let me ask you this, because I've seen this thrown out there too. Oh, it's the exact same kind of Cirrus is in like a, a Cirrus cloud. And, you know, he's got this kind of like wavy design to him. I suppose, but that's not actually Cirrus. The word in in Japanese does not resemble the English word at all, mm. and it actually escapes me what uh, what the Japanese words is. But it's, it's something something un ken un. Do, 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 do. This is why dictionaries exist. Kengun, yeah. So that doesn't sound anything like shirasu. But well, I guess people will say, well, "Oh, it's the just like tarankusu seru." Uh, they're they're approximating our word. Not really. I mean, thing is, trunksuseru are are words that do exist in English, but they also exist alongside their Japanese counterparts in mm. uh, common parlance in Japanese. Okay, well there you go. Whereas cirrus, uh, the uh, the English word for that kind of cloud, does not. Fair enough. All right. So we know what this character looks like. Uh, we know what their name is. Uh, so in V-Jump and then also in the trailer where we kind of get to see him in action a little bit, kind of appears, uh, starts talking about justice, <laughs> which yes. we've we've certainly Sounds heard similar. before in the series. Uh, he absolutely knows who the Toki no Kaioshin, the Kaioshin of time is, uh, the, the god of god of time in the series here that we uh, originally met in Dragon Ball's universe, but was also mentioned. Mentioned Dragon Ball Online. Uh, yes, we, we tend to refer to her as Cronoa, as she has been dubbed in other ancillary material to get a better name for her. Uh, he kind of shows up at the Time Nest, uh, talking about justice. Knows who the Kaioshin of Time is. Takes care of Trunks with uh, kind of no effort whatsoever. Uh, and oh, he's got the mark of the Galactic Patrol. Yes, indeed. So. It actually seems that he is a former member of the Galactic Patrol, according to the narration in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But it's unclear exactly what his relationship is to them now. He seems to be an antagonist, judging by his behavior. <laughs> That's much we have to go on. Um, also, Toyotaro does have a comment in the latest V-Jump, uh-huh. which says he wanted to bring out uh, a strong-looking and also uh, even handsomer look for him. He was uh, particularly attentive to the design around his waist and his hips. The idea that he um, he should look as though he's um, well-versed in um, martial arts. And um, he also mentions that um, he drew a number of uh, potential designs that were, that were rejected. And he's um, using them as sort of minor characters in his manga. 
<laughs> That's good. Uh, that kind of calls back to what we were talking about with uh, some of the super history books, where one of their rejected designs for Demigra actually turned out to effectively be um, Mechikabula, kind of like as is. Yes. <laughs> now, um, there's also in this spread not only uh, something related to the Galactic Patrol, but these mysterious new characters, or they say... Um, a mystery leads to another mystery. Is these two heroes who are known as Great Siaman three and four, mm-hmm. and uh, Great Siaman three appears to protect the hero Beat in the story mode. And we haven't really been exposed to Great Siaman four uh, in terms of video content, I believe yet. Um, so it's a mystery. One of them has green type clothes, and the other one has red. Um, we don't really know a lot about them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is mostly uh just hype text on the page here. So saying we're we're getting into this like major hype territory with also major reveals. Uh at this point we're also only about four months out for the release of the game. Uh turns out it's coming out April fourth in Japan. Uh I guess this is also an appropriate place to mention. We've uh noted this in uh news post on the website, but uh Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission was apparently rated by the Australian Arts Board for release Ooh. there. And Play Asia, uh, one of the uh, import gaming online retailers, recently tweeted that apparently the uh, the mainland Asian version is going to include English subtitles. So it really seems like World Mission uh, is going to be the first piece of Dragon Ball Heroes media to truly get an international release. Uh, That's not officially confirmed from Bandai Namco themselves. Uh, It seems like it's very much coming in the near future, though. So uh, I guess we can look forward to that. Did want to mention that here because I know we're talking about World Mission, everything getting out there. It seems like it's coming. Yep. Oh, I do have one other thing to add about the Great Siaman 3 and 4. Okay, sure. Uh, Just skimming through the page, it looks like number 4, at least, is a a transformation feature of the Hero Switch, which I believe is the thing that uh, Beat wears on his arm. Gotcha. So if you... If you choose uh, number four, he can... So Beat is Great Simon 4? I believe so. But it doesn't explain who Great Simon 3 is. <laughs> but he shows up and protects you, I think, from Kula. Uh, yeah. The the official website for Super Dragon Ball Heroes World Mission also updated. Kind of the same kind of things where we get a look at uh, the, the new the new antagonist here look at trunks uh there's some info it's pretty much repeats uh, i believe of things we've seen but then at the bottom it also tells us we have some new characters coming and that's clearly just the uh the the xeno versions of son goku and vegeta uh we can tell from the outfits and it, <laughs> it, it, if you can't tell from the stuff other than the outfits as well um uh, welcome to dragon ball Right. And uh, yeah, um, Toriyama in particular is always careful about creating unique silhouettes for his characters. And uh, luckily, the other designers who have worked on the series generally follow suit in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does mention that there will be changes occurring in both the, the uh, real world and the Dragon Ball world. So that's similar to the la- the uh, evil dragon mission arc. Yes, exactly. In, uh, in victory mission where something similar occurs. Well, that brings us to uh, kind of where we are right now. And uh, let's briefly mention, because this is going to be present day, and then we're going to take it back to the beginning for a primer. So over in the Dragon Ball Super manga, Julian, we have entered a completely new arc, original to the manga. Uh, Broly yes. was flown over, and instead we're going into the Galactic Patrol <laughs> prisoner arc. Oh, you had to go there. This arc begins uh, kind of where Broly 
ends, I, I guess you could say. Uh, we get these characters that show up. Uh, again, we're into the, the only the the first full chapter of it. It began last month uh, as the Tournament of Power ended, and then we got the brief glimpse of Broly, and then it transitions into this new arc. Uh I mean, we knew that there are plenty of other Galactic Patrol members out there, but it seems uh, one of them actually has a mission right now to to come do something. Uh, they're looking for the Dai Kaioshin, who is inside of Majin Buu still. Yes, it appears that uh, the Dai Kaioshin has some sort of relation to Moro, a villain who was imprisoned in the Galactic Penitentiary 10 million years ago and has now broken out. And they need the Dai Kaioshin's power to perhaps be able to stop him. So that's kind of how that uh, chapter last month ended. And then we get into the first full chapter of it uh, this month in Jump, and also for free on Viz's website. We're not going to get into that content right now. That'll be for future commentary and review uh material purposes but julian it seems like this is where toyotaro is taking it uh i'm i'm very curious whether it was his idea to do this whether it was toriyama's idea to do this whether it was shueisha's idea to do this uh do this especially instead of adapting the broly movie into the manga one of the major critiques of the dragon ball super manga is that uh it kind of doesn't stand on its own uh, as right. much as much as the Dragon Ball Super television series also has some issues, most notably never actually explaining why Pilaf and crew have been reduced to babies, even though that was explained in Battle of Gods. They kind of right. overlooked that. And Toyotaro, I wouldn't say took a jab at it. He explained it in the manga version, but that's separate from the anime version. But then even over in the manga version, uh, Battle of Gods was cruised through in four chapters. They didn't even do Resurrection F and... Uh, it's the bonus chapter from what uh, Psycho? No, it's uh, Jump Victory Carnival. Now. Yeah, the Victory Carnival. Uh, he used a like two-page bonus chapter to explain that. Well, I mean, that's what those those manga chapters have always been. All five of them, I think, were up to this point. Yeah, they're all something like that. They're explanations lot. of things, which is fine. That's, that's what they're supposed to be. Anyway, what I'm getting at is that it doesn't stand alone. So uh, Broly also doesn't have a manga adaptation now, other than a single panel. Uh, but now we're going into original territory, <laughs> where the television right. series, uh, which I guess let's briefly mention Jump Festa took place over the weekend. Uh, Julian, you translated Toriyama's comment and Toyotaro's That's comment. Right. Um, nothing new was announced in terms of anime or film or manga. Despite what you may have heard from a certain official account, uh, I think they were a little too excited and jumped to conclusions before they had the time to process what was being said. Oh, uh, that's that's my charitable interpretation. Sure. I guess we can also mention technically the Super Dragon Ball Heroes promotional anime is continuing uh, and that's all announced in conjunction with Jump Festa. We're going on to this giant universal space war. Yeah, that's something, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not talking about that here. Just want to acknowledge that that was announced. Uh, but no new real content was announced. Uh, the Galactic Patrisner, yeah. the Galactic patrol prisoner try saying that three times fast yeah. uh had already started but this is where we are uh so they didn't talk about anything why they're doing this i don't know i i think it's a great idea uh i'm just curious why this why now i'm not sure i, I mean i kind of think maybe uh in a meta perspective maybe they want to, uh an opportunity for toyotaro to show that he actually has the chops that uh he can 
do this sort of thing when he's not just slavishly adhering to an existing story. I mean, even then, he's still working with Akira Toriyama on this, but yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe they're trying to set him up further as the one to sort of carry on that legacy. Yeah, um, give him a chance. I mean, the tournament of power, especially coming off the Trunks arc, which they extended so far in the manga, and then the tournament of power as it began, where they did all the original content there at the beginning, and it seemed like they were going to extend that out, and then suddenly we picked up the pace and we cruised through, and you blink and you'd miss the end of the tournament of power in the manga, right? <laughs> uh, and here we are in this original arc, and you already mentioned, uh, sure the, the the panel layout. I I think this is truly going to be finally since victory mission. This is going to be Toybull's chance to shine. Maybe. I mean, it. I, I commented at the beginning of the episode, I don't remember if you said you'd cut that out or not, just that it feels like that it has a chance to breathe for once. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm certainly curious as to where it's going to go from here. I'd like to see where the story goes. Yeah. So we have a future for the Galactic Patrol. And that brings us to, uh, I would say, the main meat of the episode. But Julian, we've already been recording for... Half an hour. Well, that's great. So, you know, maybe yeah. we'll match that and we'll see where we go from here. So this right. is going to be kind of like the, the back half, but it is actually the front half of our discussion. We're going to do a little bit of a Galactic Patrol primer. So let's transition on into uh, part two of our news topic, Nopic. <laughs> Julian, the idea of a space patrol actually kind of predates what we're going to talk about in a moment uh we had some filler in the dragon ball z tv series there were some people out there uh worried about frieza and then we got some uh daizenshu citations on this uh what had been what had been said pre bff collaborations yes so in um the um what is it the the terms the the explanation of the terms involved in uh dragon ball and daizenshu 7 uh, you have a reference in in the entry on space um, that there is um, apparently uh, this space police organization that exists. However, they do not have the power to go up against Frieza or the Saiyans. And that's all the, the Daisenshu really says about it. And that's it kind of comes out of nowhere because you don't really get that kind of mention in the series anywhere. Well, like I said, other than that filler, after we after the Cyan arc, we're taking off to Namek, even before we get to the, the fake Namek stuff, where we run into the, the space folks out there. Oh, those guys, yeah. It's like the, the mirrored <laughs> ship and everything. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's kind of what they're referring to here, just like leaving the option <laughs> to explore this further if need be. Yes. I'd be remiss not to mention, because I have this below all the other citations in the Gods and Cosmos uh, guide on the website. Additionally, the background information published in Akira Toriyama, the world anime special on Telus's henchman states that Amond was originally a galactic criminal imprisoned by the galactic police on planet Nuts before being freed by Telus. So that's just one other little mention to throw in there alongside the Daizenshu citation. Now, it's, it's interesting that uh, when we finally do catch up with them in uh, Dragon Ball material, they're not named the pa- Space Police Organization, although in the latest lore introduced in, in uh, Dragon Ball 
super this new manga arc they're kind mm-hmm. of retconning it to say that they used to be the galactic police or something like that yeah yeah before they became the galactic patrol but um yeah it's it's interesting how this sort of concept is sort of uh, evolved and if you get into uh jocko the galactic patrolman which we will uh there's uh, a work based on his exploits called chaco the space policeman I, I forget exactly what they called it in in the official translation which happens to be a flop <laughs> Well, let's uh, continue onward. We, we kind of have nothing about space police for a long time, and uh, we're, we're in a post-Dragon Ball world. Grab my issue here. Julian, this is uh, Jump Square. We're talking yes. about May 2008. So we are square in kind of like a, a nothing's going on other than merchandise. We're, we're pre, pre-Dragon Ball Kai, uh, pre-evolution, <laughs> even at this point. Obviously, some of that yes. stuff may be in the works or, you know, in the, the thoughts of uh, marketers and producers somewhere. Obviously, right. Evolution was filming and all that kind of jazz. But uh, in terms of Dragon Ball, we were just looking at video games every year Pre- at this point. Pretty much. Um, this was the sort of interregnum. The Dragon Ball uh, DVDs had come out. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the Kanzenban was all finished. Uh, the most recent stuff that Toriyama had been doing was Dr. Slump related because they had the Dr. Slump DVD sets. No, that's and, right. And in fact, um, if we want to talk about uh, Jump Square in particular, Jump Square is the successor for monthly Shonen Jump, which had run since the 1970s. And But its last issue was in 2007. And one of the last issues uh, of monthly Shonen Jump also had uh, an Akira, Tori- Akira Toriyama one-shot, which was uh, Dr. Slump one-shot. And then that uh, magazine went defunct and some of the continuing stories ended up elsewhere for a while. Mm-hmm. But then they, they decided they were going to introduce Jump Square, uh, which is this new uh, monthly magazine. Uh, and this, uh, the May 2008 issue, mm-hmm. at least in April of that year, is the very first issue. And so naturally, if you're going to be introducing a new, uh, a new magazine, you want to bring out the big talent. So, of course. Um, uh, what bigger uh, name do they have at Shueisha in, in manga, perhaps besides Akira Toriyama? I would say Masakazu Katsura is where you go. Well, they, he's here too. <laughs> uh, I guess let's uh, briefly explain. These two are very good friends going far back. I would say the most candid Toriyama that we have is when these two are talking together. Absolutely. They they are um interesting. They they go way back. They're really good friends and they uh spend the entire time uh talking just needling each other about stuff. Which interview is it where they actually have to pause and there's a caption like and suddenly Katsura Sensei appears. Oh, uh, that was uh from Daisenshu 7's uh, Shenlong Times and then they said with his arrival the interview takes an unexpected turn. <laughs> just goes completely off the rails and they just start arguing. <laughs> we get good stuff out of it, but it's very yeah. clear that uh you get these two together and you're you're going to come up with something special. Oh, and even way back in Dr. Slump, uh Toriyama would make fun of Katsura, have him show up as an even bigger country bumpkin than than himself. <laughs> and the oh uh, and actually, the futon ga futonda, the, the futon blew away joke that Goku yes. uses at Kaio's planet, that was uh, originally used in Dr. Slump, 
And when it's used in Dr. Slump, Toriyama actually credits Katsura for the joke. That's nice. So <laughs> basically blame him because this, not, this isn't funny. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about what is here, because this is the, uh, I guess you'd say the real start of the Galactic Patrol. So tell me about Sachie-chan Gu. Yes. So do you want me to tell uh, you about the background first or about the story itself? Let's do the background and then we're not. So I guess let's uh, preface the uh, we can't really preface something that we're like 40 minutes into. <laughs> we're not going to do a review of awesome style on the stories. I think we're going to save that for another time. This is just, a, again, a primer for what these are, where they're published uh, and how it all leads to the current Dragon Ball material. So uh, I guess give me the background on it and then we'll briefly mention what the story's about and then we'll kind of keep going from there to the next ones. So um, at the time they were... Um getting ready to uh, introduce this new magazine in Shueisha and the uh, editor-in-chief uh, Masahiko Ibaraki uh, basically came to uh, Toriyama and Katsura and uh, discussed the idea of them working together with Toriyama doing a script and Katsura doing the art and um, so uh, Toriyama in his way um, he sort of did his hint that maybe if it's just the story, I might be able to do it, which if you read between the lines, sounds like him trying to weed, we- weasel out of it. It sounds like Toriyama a lot recently over the years, and yep. then he gets roped into doing more. Yep. But then they took him at his word. So, <laughs> uh, and, uh, he thought maybe since their styles are sort of completely the opposite, it, it could be fun, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm reading through the interview that's in this issue, which is pretty extensive. Just, just wheedling each other constantly. Katsura told him there's no content in this story. And, um, <laughs> he, and he forced him to put in more like, more like human things. And if it weren't for Katsura that he probably would have, uh, taken out the actual emotional element of the thing entirely. <laughs> so it's, it's just constantly going back and forth at each other. And that sounds like their process of making it as well. Just like arguing each other over the, the course of the story, as well as how the story of the, uh, comic itself is supposed to be. And, uh, they also mentioned that whenever this happens, it, it keeps getting longer. So they intended it to be 30 pages and it turned up to be 53 pages. It, it's, it's pretty interesting. The process here, it's not really what we're going through. Um, there is a bit of, uh, a sort of retro style to it and a very sort of, uh, departure from Katsura's usual style, which is kind of pop arty and interesting. I mean, I'm trying to think of things to say because the most of the interview is them arguing with each other. <laughs> it is. It's great. Well, let's talk about the, the story a little bit. Uh, again, so this is the debut issue of a new magazine. You're bringing in Toriyama. You're bringing in Katsura. Going to kick things off here. It's going to just be a one shot. This is all self-contained in this, this one chapter here. We ended up with a chapter that's longer <laughs> than they anticipated it being, but that's probably a little better. You get more of a complete story out of it. Uh, it's yeah. got the perviness of Toriyama with the kind of like heightened perviness of Katsura at the same time. Uh, right. Like you said, that kind of Katsura pop art style, a little bit more exaggerated here, kind of with that Toriyama flair to it at the same time. Um, yes. we, we get kind of like sexual crude humor with combined with, I don't know, it's just like a this encapsulation of these two authors put together, which makes sense because that's exactly what it is. Absolutely. And so um, in, in terms of the, the basics of the story, the, uh, the short version is there's this middle school girl who is the scion of a ninja clan and she's got this weird poop-shaped birthmark on her butt, <laughs> which she's self-conscious about. She's recruited by these um, sort of squid, eight-armed uh, aliens from planet Octo, 
whose design uh, may seem familiar mm-hmm. if you're paying attention to uh, Dragon Ball Super. And um, they, she goes to their planet to help them be rid of these uh, space pirates who are uh, terrorizing them. And uh, she ends up uh, helping them with the help of her, her uh, ninja clan's mysterious ramen that gives her superpowers. And then at the very end, the Galactic Patrol shows up and um, then she goes home with uh, a button of the Galactic Patrol on her on her uniform, which happens to look exactly like the birthmark on her butt. <laughs> the end. And that is the origin of the Galactic Patrol logo, I guess you could say. <laughs> right. It's a cute little story. Uh, so, Julian, this, like, let's talk about its publication. So this is in, like you said, the debut issue, the May 2008 issue of Jump Square, published in April that year. It has since been collected as a part of the Katsura Akira compilation. That's correct. So it's that uh, and uh, Gia, which is the second uh, collaboration between Toriyama and Katsura, yep, which we're up. about to talk about. And um, yeah, and it it's nice in that it's not just uh, a fusion of these two people's styles, but it's also a nice encapsulation of all the Galactic Patrol stuff before it gets into Dragon Ball. Now, here's the killer. Uh, Sachi-chan has been translated and officially released in English from Viz. It was included as a part of the membership kind of like special bonus stuff if you were a subscriber to shonen jump alpha before it was just straight up regular weekly shonen jump uh they were doing that like two week delay thing for a while there before they went simultaneous and now we're even even more simultaneous no we're more than simultaneous we are like time zone simultaneous at this point uh but that was in the 2013 shonen jump alpha yearbook digital bonus if you were a subscriber at that time and then they actually sent you if you were a subscriber uh, a print version of uh, this bonus material, except not the entirety of Sache was printed in the print edition. Uh, right. The entirety <laughs> of it is only if you were a digital subscriber at that time. And as far as I am aware, that is the only place, the only time that this has ever released it. Uh, as a little bit of a comparison here, uh, Viz translated and released Kintoki, which was a Toriyama one-shot Kintoki was published in the uh, 2010 number 50 issue of Weekly Shonen Jump, which was November 15th, 2010. Uh, Viz released it as part of Weekly Shonen Jump, the 2013 January 28th issue, Digital Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, That was the only place it was included, except, except, I'm pretty sure they've done a couple deals where if you buy the entirety of the Dragon Ball manga digital from them or even through Comixology, I believe they've tossed in Kintoki, which is not very cost effective if you want to get just the one shot. But that's at least I have seen it included with other things out there. Sachi-chan, as far as I know, has never been included with any of those extra kind of like bonus. We'll throw it in with the package. Uh, And even now as a part of this uh, new Shonen Jump archives from Viz, uh, there's like no record that Sachi chan exists other than this 2013 yearbook, which is really unfortunate. It's like, we know it exists. We know you've translated it. You've officially released it. It feels like your digital archive is the perfect place to just dump it, but it's uh, it's not out there. So here's hoping that Viz can make it available somehow, some other way. 
Julian, let's go to the next uh, entry in the Galactic Patrol. What was a trilogy, and now we're kind of like further beyond. I don't even know what to call it, because when you include it as a part of Dragon Ball, it's not really its own individual series. Anyway, Gia, so now we're into the... um, Here's AKP in Santa Outfits magazine. Yep. So this was published in Young Jump, which if you're not familiar with the various Jump magazines, Young Jump is a Satan magazine, which is aimed at uh, older teenage boys and young men. And they often feature scantily clad women on the cover and in these sort of gravure sections up front. And uh, I, I always always amused sending these along to you and hoping that Mary might be in the room when you opened them. You send me young chumps, you send me vintage playboys, I never know what I'm going to get when I open the mail. Right? It's pretty Isn't good. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So here we are. Uh, Sachi-chan's been out for a little bit. We get into Gia. What year is this? It was what tail end of uh, 2009 and uh, the very beginning of 2010. So, um, yep. So it was like the early uh, January uh, dated issues of uh, of Young Jump for 2010, although they started in, in December 2009. Right. So not quite two years after Sachi. Yeah, so they had three chapters, and then the issue after the last chapter, they included an interview with uh, Katsura and Toriyama. Mm-hmm. And in, in this one, Katsura's name comes first because he actually has a series in the magazine at the time, which was Zetman. Yeah, you look at the cover. I mean, it's AKB and then Katsura. <laughs> Katsura stuff everywhere. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, let's let's talk about Katsura a little bit because we kind of glossed over. Yeah, he's Toriyama's friend, and we may have even said he's a manga author. I don't know if we quite said that. Katsura is incredibly famous too. Uh, so Zetman here, uh, and I know him primarily uh, from Video Girl Eye. That was kind of like my introduction to the world of Katsura. But eyes uh, and. Yeah, his works extend far and wide, and they they run the gamut of kind of like cutely pervy to where we're getting kind of weird here yeah and um although he's mostly known for his romance stuff uh which ran in uh, weekly shonen jump he started out uh and made his big break with wingman which was a transforming superhero series and he's a really big fan of batman and that's definitely influenced <laughs> oh yeah uh, his superhero characters <laughs> wingman zetman you don't say yes imagine that right <laughs> he's a he's a big batman fan He's done a couple of official things in connection with uh, figures and whatnot. How um, would you describe his artwork? Because I look at it and like I kind of see a Toriyama flair to his artwork, but it's almost here's how I would describe it to people. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big fan of obviously the Capcom fighting games, a big fan of the SNK fighting games. Mm-hmm. Katsura is like the SNK style to the Capcom art style. It's kind of how I feel about it. It's like a, a little bit more realistic to it, but still cartoony. I feel like he he tries to strike this balance. He he has a style of his own. He's very stylized, but he also adds in a lot of detail. Yeah, Whereas Toriyama yeah. is very stylized, but also <laughs> uh, minimal detail, and he prefers it to be more silly stylized. Whereas uh, Katsura's main uh, main um, aim is to make it look cool. Uh, I, I think that's uh, how I would differentiate the two. Like Toriyama's ribbing him for his tone everywhere and right. 
Katsura is complaining that he doesn't use any tone at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> so why do we think we're getting Gia at this point? So again, we're a little under two years out from Sachie. Uh, here we are over in this magazine. Katsura's already got stuff going on. Uh, what's bringing these two together to do uh, this new series, Gia? Yes. So uh, Katsura's editor actually approached him and uh, said they'd like to do uh, a Young Jump a version of a collaboration along the lines of Sachie. And uh, it just so happened that Toriyama had also mentioned that he wanted to do a story with a dark hero. And so he called him up and said, uh, yeah, sure. Um, even though uh, Katsura was aware that with his with his serialization for Zetman at the same time, it would not be fun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of work. Uh, in fact, his, his author comments during those three chapters are like, my body is screaming. <laughs> I was like, maybe you should take a break. But um, so, it, but it ended up being nothing of the sort of what Toriyama had originally mentioned. Yeah, which kind of pissed Katsura off. And once again, the um, the page count just kept going up and up. <laughs> and in spite of being in a seinen magazine, a lot of the seinen stuff is kind of childishly superficial. It really like, is. Oh, we have people smoking. Oh, we have a prostitute. Oh, we have more more uh, more stylized violence. That's like a, a young teenager's uh, interpretation of what mature is. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I guess you could say Toriyama is very in tune with the young boy's mindset. So, and, uh, you know, he, he never gets too complex. So even in the first chapter, you're kind of set up to expect, you kind of have an idea of who the villain really is. Yeah. Um, and, and I should also say um, the designs for the Galactic Patrol are basically the same as they are at the end of uh, Sachie, except minus a cape. And that the it's interesting, the Galactic Patrolmen are at least set up to be all sort of similar looking and actually sort of these like biomechanical suits worn by a much smaller alien. Yeah. And that ties into uh, some of the hijinks that occur in the course of the of this uh, three chapter one shot. All right. So we've set up the, the magazine, why they came together. So, again, this runs for three chapters. What's the, the rough overall story here? Um, so it's this version of the Earth that's uh, being terrorized by these weird giant flea creatures led by this mysterious figure named Vampa. And completely coincidentally, hint, hint, uh, this galactic patrolman named Gia is uh, looking for his um, colleague Stis. Gia Stis. Justice. <clears throat> anyway, uh, who mysteriously disappeared uh, while uh, surveying the planet Earth. So he kind of shows up and does his thing and ends up getting involved in this conflict and along the way meets this uh, spoiled rich girl and her chauffeur slash servant uh kayade and and uh her and q monji who sort of become his his uh human allies for the course of the story and uh lots of hijinks ensue uh gia learns some interesting things about human anatomy and functions and also stumbles upon the actual plot and has some fun battles and stuff. Oh, by the way, they do mention the Galactic King again, and also hint at some sort of cataclysm. Also, I'm pretty sure I'm looking at a blowjob here. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. There's possession, there's drunken kung fu, there's, it, it's for, there's something for everyone, right? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> so... Gia runs for three chapters, and uh, that's the end of the Galactic Patrol. Um, had a great time. See you again, folks. Um, actually, the first hint that there may be something else 
later on comes during this interview that uh, was published right after they'd finished serializing uh, Gia. Yeah. Because there's this little sidebar that mentions, actually, um, along the way, Toriyama kind of got frustrated with the way things were going, and he kind of put it aside and drew over 40 pages of a completely different story uh, with a different version of a galactic patrolman, as well as this old man. Uh, oh, really? Yes, who appears to be helping fix his spaceship. Uh, this galactic patrolman appears to be some sort of uh, full-of-himself super elite. Well, clearly this is just a draft. Uh, you know, it got scrapped in favor of Gia. will never hear about this again. Right. But then... <laughs> well, jump ahead to 2013. Uh, but Julian... We have Battle of Gods going on, so no, Tor- Toriyama can't do a Galactic Patrol story. Well, that's interesting you should say that, um, because actually, July 13th, okay, so it was a few weeks before Obon. So it, it came out in July 2013, which was about uh, three and a half months after Battle of Gods. But we get some insight into the production process due to uh, a couple of things that were put out on the Jump Live app, which is the predecessor to the current Shonen Jump Plus app from Shueisha, where they had a little bit of bonus content uh, with Toriyama talking about uh, the uh, production process for the thing. And then again, there was a little bit in uh, V-Jump towards the end of the year um, discussing Jocko after it ended. So uh, apparently uh, the original idea was for him to put out something to coincide with the release of Battle of Gods. Uh, But A, he tried to put himself on the same punishing schedule that he used when he was 30 years younger and uh, ended up ruining his health. And B, the story that he had originally come up with was a little too close to Battle of Gods because, of course, he rewrote the story of Battle of Gods when he was brought on the project. (laughs) So they ended up being too much of the same thing. So he ended up going with instead this old draft from uh, the Katsura uh, collaboration uh, and decided to make that into something else. That's really fascinating. So the the old draft that became Jocko wasn't going to be used because he created another draft of something that he didn't use because it was too close to Battle of Gods. Are we ever going to find out what that was? It's a good question, but he mentioned that it was too close in terms of content to Battle of Gods. So I'm assuming Mm. he may have incorporated things from that into the finished movie. Sure. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. We don't know what exactly. Maybe it was the design for Beerus. Maybe it was Whis. Maybe it was something else. Right. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Because of all that stuff that he rewrote and redesigned. Okay. Um, so going on with that, he did this entirely digitally. And he also sort of uh, reworked the concept a little bit because it had to be something that he would feel comfortable drawing. So he toned down the action, gave him some more humor. And um, he actually, um, the Dragon Ball connection at at the end, which I guess is not a spoiler at this point, because if you've been paying attention from uh, about Resurrection F onward, it should not be a secret. Well, not only that, but we were talking about this, you know, contemporary with its release when we're, we're going, should we cover this? Should we not cover it? And then Shueisha goes, what was it like? The, the shocking revival of Dragon Ball? Yeah. Oh, all okay, right. Yeah. I guess we're covering this. So it turns out at the end that the uh, character of Tite, who has been um, tagging along and sometimes providing vital info to uh, Jocko and Omori, is Bulma's older sister. 
and uh, and Jocko uh, was actually sent on a mission to stop a member of an eli- evil alien race from arriving at Earth, which turns out to be Kakaroto, except because he is a complete, uh, not quite super as super elite as he thinks, uh, he manages to completely miss the landing of the the alien spacecraft and then allows the story of Dragon Ball to happen. Yep, inadvertently saving the Earth, even though the Earth will be destroyed later, but that's fine. Uh, this is interesting. It's not quite the same Galactic Patrol as we see in these one-shots with Katsura. Yeah, it's all right, been- let, let's go in that direction, because, I mean, the story of Jocko, we've we've covered Jocko, we've reviewed Jocko, hopefully you've read Jocko at this point. Uh, even Dragon Ball Minus is now being incorporated into things like Dragon Ball Super Broly. So what are the, the main differences from a Galactic Patrol perspective uh in the world of jocko compared to sachi and gia so the members of the galactic patrol uh in that world appear to be for one thing uh much more credible as a force (laughs) shall we say (laughs) sure um they're bigger more impressive uh they appear to be these biomechanical mechanical suits all used by these much smaller aliens. Granted, we only really see two of them who are fleshed out in any detail. Yeah. uh, But we're led to assume that the entire Galactic Patrol is just like them. And um, they appear to have very important work that, and they appear to be, you know, not actually intimidated by anybody. Whereas the Galactic Patrol that we see in uh, the Dragon Ball universe is uh, much like the space police organization that is very briefly laid out in Daisenshu 7. Right. They're uh, not that strong. There's not that many of them. Yeah, but they're they're capable enough except in the face of someone like Frieza. And we kind of even see that with Jocko where he's like the least effective one. So clearly all these other ones can probably do something a little better th- yeah. than he can. Uh but even Jocko is remotely effective. Yeah, that's true. So they have these um these extinction bombs that they can use to wipe out an entire uh, sentient species if they need to or if they just get ticked off like Jocko might <laughs> uh, but apparently it doesn't work on the science they can only they can only uh, hold their own against uh, a child and an adult they're no match for adults and of course Frieza is so powerful they basically just have to yeah, turn forget a about it eye. Um, so that lines up with the distinct de- de- or description back in Daisenshu 7 which was released in 1996 um, the other thing is there's like 30 how many did they say? 33 of them? Julian, there are 38 members of the Galactic Patrol, which handled the limited number of planets with intelligent life forms. And in the V-Jump uh, retrospective later that year, it also mentions uh, almost the same wording even, just that they turn a blind eye to Frieza because they don't have the fighting power to oppose him. Um, but anyway, there's multiple species forming uh, the Galactic Patrol, so they don't all look the same. And uh, features that are set up in Gia to be actual like functions of his suit, like uh, consuming water and expelling it as steam, sort of uh, reinterpreted as uh, the alien species that Jocko himself. So he um, he drinks milk and he pees out holes in his forehead. There's a similar thing in Gia, isn't there? Uh, yeah, so Gia drinks water and then steam comes out the side of his head. So it's just like an embellishment on that. Yes. Uh, Jocko looks superficially similar to Gia, except that Jocko is an actual alien who's wearing like this... Um, some stuff. Of, yeah, some sort of upper body armor that's apparently uh, the uh, Galactic Patrol uniform, except that the rest of him is apparently just... 
his naked body. And I mean, he's the the masked man, so <laughs> he's not happy about that. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's it's a very Toriyama take because Jocko is vain, un- overestimates his abilities, and uh, clearly um, is not necessarily the super elite that he thinks of himself as, although against human opponents, he is more than adequate. So the Galactic Patrol kind of evolves over the course of these three series, and we get to the the current incarnation of it that exists in Jocko that uh, seems like that's going to be the basis for moving forward. That is the Galactic Patrol. But even then, like you said, they're they're kind of adapting what they want to do with it a little bit. And by they, I mean Toyotaro, maybe Toriyama? So it's interesting to see. I mean, by this point, the Galactic Patrol, although obviously Sachie and uh, Gia should probably be looked to more as prototypes rather than actual part of the continuity. Right. I They're like the, the Dragon Boy and the Tong Pu. Sort of, yeah. I mean, even the Galactic Patrol logo is, is uh, slightly different. It doesn't have the curve. It's like an actual sort of angular thingy although it's it's generally it's definitely based on it and so at this point i mean at the end of the collected version of jaco the galactic patrolman is where we get dragon ball minus from and dragon ball minus as you said earlier in the podcast has now been incorporated into the movie that's currently playing in japanese theaters uh so at this point we are verily verily i'm suddenly gone <laughs> i say the verily <laughs> yes it, it it is uh pretty much inextricably intertwined with Dragon Ball now. So what do you think the future is? We we started in the present. We went back to 2008, uh, which doesn't feel all that long ago to it's me. 10 years ago, Mike. <laughs> we're back to 2018. <laughs> Dude, uh, we, we were already doing the podcast for a few years. Yeah, uh, we started in 2005. That was before I went to Japan for the first time. It reminds me, I was just watching this episode of Futurama last night where Lila goes to Nibbler's home planet and he's like, when the Big Bang happened, our race was only was already 17 years old or 17 minutes old or something like that. Like, oh, we were already doing the podcast for three years at this point. So, Julian, what is the future of the Galactic Patrol then? I don't know. I'm curious to see where this uh, arc goes. I hope it's not like a rehash of the prison planet arc from Dragon Ball Heroes. I want it to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as how they're going to incorporate the Kaioshin because they, uh, apart from the Kaioshin of other universes, they haven't seen a lot of love in Dragon Ball Super. I mean, I, I guess uh, the East Kaioshin and and uh, Kibito finally came unfused. Do you think Toyotaro is going to try to finally resolve why the hell does Universe 7 have so many Kaioshin? That's a good question, because we've only seen, like, one Kaioshin and one God of Destruction for all the other universes, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And even in Universe 10, Zamas was going to be the successor to Goas. He was an apprentice. He wasn't... uh, a current Kaioshin. I'm I'm very, very curious. I, I think this is a great place for Toyotaro to be right now. Uh, it's a chance for him to grow as an author, as an artist, uh, under the guidance of Toriyama. Julian, do we know what the editor setup is for Toyotaro? Uh, I've seen a lot of people say, and this is not wrong that in essence Toriyama kind of like acts as an editor for Toyotaro, but certainly he speaks to a higher power at Shueisha. I would assume so. Like, even when Toriyama, even as he is now, he still has an editor that he answers to. Yeah, I mean, we Toriyama had an editor on Jocko. It's not like he just did this series and they took it as is. Yeah, he, you know, they, they let him have a little bit more creative leeway 
and they'll obviously let him go for as long as he wants, regardless of how popular it is because of who he is. But, yeah. you know, they, they still make practical suggestions to him. And I would assume that both uh, Toriotaro and Toriyama have an editor higher up. Uh, it may be somebody who is lower on the totem pole, or it may be uh, Ioku directly who uh, talks to them, but they don't generally spell out who their editor is yeah, the yeah. way they used to. It used to be that they would refer to them by name and give them flesh out their personalities, but it's they usually these days they use like a letter to refer to them. And unless you know who they are in detail, it can be difficult to sort of suss out who they're talking about. Yeah. To that point, actually what I just said, Julian Toriyama's editor on Jocko, I think we only got that name and like a digital bonus, which yeah. if, you did, if you didn't happen to read that, you wouldn't know who the editor was. I believe so. Because we referenced it in the translation and you referenced the thing that we could no longer load because it was on like the V jump plus. Okay, so it was Kohei Onishi because he was the one who was giving comments about the series um, as as uh, new chapters were uploaded to the Jump Live app. Yeah, that was it. And I think the way they had his name written was like the letter O plus Nishi, the kanji, because there are a couple of other people who also start with O. But anyway, so that's how we knew who he was. It's similar a little bit to the, the very brief uh, blurbs that the editors give in the table of contents of Weekly Jump at the bottom of the page, but uh, they sort of did away with that when they moved to the jump live format, or I'm sorry, the jump plus format. Um, so you only, if you have the digital version of weekly jump, you get those in the back of, in the table of contents. Gotcha. Um, but you don't have those for the individual, like online only serials, but that's how we knew who Toriyama's editor was. It wasn't flat out stated. We had to put the pieces together. That's kind of everything. That That is the primer to the Galactic Patrol. Uh, that was Sachie. That was Gia. That was Jocko. Here we are in the Galactic Patrol prisoner arc in the Dragon Ball Super manga. Uh, Julian, we will certainly come back around to Sachie and Gia. I would like to do a proper kind of like a review of awesomeness style, similar to what we did also with uh, Dragon Boy and Tongpu when we were doing the Dragon Ball prototypes. Uh, we'll come Absolutely. back around to that, though. I, I think they're great stories. And like you said, they're these prototype works. They they weren't intended to be prototypes, but kind of they ended up that way in retrospect uh, for what became the, the current Galactic Patrol. Uh, so no set timeline for that. That's just we'll get to it in 2019. That's just kind of yeah. uh, in the bucket list for the upcoming year. Uh, so let's talk about what's in the immediate future for the podcast here uh julian the last week of every year slash first week of every year what we try to schedule in is uh, a look back at the year what are the top stories on konzenshu from the year uh and we check in on the predictions we made the previous year to see how we did and we make new predictions for the new year so that's certainly coming up uh, i haven't quite scheduled that out with uh anyone so Let's work on scheduling that, I guess. Okay. <laughs> That's coming up in the near future. Uh, people probably wondering, like, hey, uh, Mike, the, the movie's out in Japan. When are you guys going to review it? Uh, yeah, we are certainly going to be doing that. We had lots of people over in Japan <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. I feel like I'm the only person who's not over in Japan right now. <laughs> I, I couldn't work it into my schedule or my budget this year. I am going to see my family. Uh, early next year, but I'm not sure whether the timing will work out. We'll see. Uh, right. But I do have the novelization that I've been reading through, so I know what happens. I'm I can picture it in my head. 
We have, uh, I hope, some good folks on tap working on scheduling that. We are going to do a formal review of Dragon Ball Super Broly uh, that'll hopefully hit in the the next week or two. uh, And that'll be ahead of the international release. And then we'll review it all over again when we do that. Uh, It's not often that we we review dubbed things, but, uh, you know, we did it for Battle of Gods, I think. We did it for Resurrection F, I think. I seem to recall doing that. I saw Resurrection F, I don't know, like eight times between all the different premieres and, and local things. And then the, <laughs> Actually, we got a screener for that one, too. So I'm really confused about how many times and where and when I saw Resurrection F in what languages. Even now, I've only seen Battle of Gods and Resurrection F in Japanese. I may end up seeing Broly in English first. Please forgive me. I will eventually see it in Japanese as well. At least I'll have read the novelization in Japanese. There you go. That, that counts for something. Right. Um, and I'm going to try and get the both the regular and the super versions of the, the movie pamphlet with its interviews and whatnot. Yeah. I've also got the Dragon Ball Super Broly Times now, and that has some interesting interviews as well. Some of it's very basic information, like this is this character, and this is what they did in the past. But <laughs> they, they do have actual interviews with people who worked on the movie as well. So I'll try and get those. Right. At some point. I also have the Resurrection F times from three years ago as well. All right. So those are some of the uh, very near upcoming things. A couple other good topics I've been kicking around that I'm excited to get to uh, in 2019. Uh, Julian, I guess let's plug some things that are on the website. Some of the things we talked about on this very episode, uh, Sachie, Gia, Jocko related things. I guess you can just head over to the translations page and hit that galactic patrol filter, right? Absolutely. That has pretty much everything that we've translated up till now of all that stuff. And it gives you a lot of insight into how things got the way they are now. So definitely give that a look. And then if you're looking to purchase things, uh, the, the Katsura Akira compilation is just a one little Tonko bone sized book. You're going to get Sachie and Gia in there. Obviously Jocko has, like I mentioned, unfortunately Sachie has only been, uh, you know, fully digitally released if you were a member in 2013. Uh, so there's no great way to get that in English. Gia does not have an official English release. Jocko, on the other hand, of course, does have an English release. It was published simultaneously by Viz uh, digitally, and it does have a collected edition. A uh, lot of lot of sales on that recently. People have been grabbing it for like five bucks, uh, digital and in print, so definitely check out Jocko. Yeah. Get it print, digital. I think you can access it via the Shonen Jump archives now if you have a member membership you can i think chapter by chapter three chapters are probably free that seems to be what they're doing and then if you're a subscriber which is two bucks a month uh i think they have up to chapter 10 right there so it's almost done there's a lot of promotions like they do on uh, shonen jump plus as well yeah they give you three free chapters of some hot series and then they hope that you'll buy the rest so check out jocko and then that brings us to dragon ball super so uh last month's chapter and this month's chapter are available free from viz uh, if you want to buy it in Japanese, you're going to be looking to get V-Jump issues. But if you're looking to get V-Jump issues, man, it is not not easy right now. Amazon Japan has shifted to V-Jump and Psycho Jump being add-on items, which Ooh. means you can only include them of orders of 2,000 yen or more. Except, except, Julian, when the listing first goes up, it's not yet categorized as an add-on item. Ooh. It seems a little under 24 hours you can still order it individually. I have confirmed and done this for the last issues of Psycho Jump and V Jump. Clever uh, girl. So I am generally on top of 
manically refreshing Amazon Japan listings <laughs> looking for these issues. So uh, I guess you can follow me on Twitter at VegitoEX for when links to these things go up. Julian, people can follow you at Saya Jedi. They can follow the website proper as a whole at KanZenShu, www.kanzenshuu.com. That is KanZenShu. Uh, I have been Mike. That has been Julian. There is also a Heath. There is also a Jake. Yes, we also have contributors. We have a Stacy now who does stuff for us. Yes, Stacy just sent over the Norihito Sumitomo interview. And by just, I mean like two days ago. Uh, so look at that. that up and, on the site pretty soon. Yeah, look at that. And I'll post that up. So that's coming soon. That is the next piece of content, I think, coming. Uh, Julian, you, like we mentioned, you translated Toriyama's and Toriyama's comments. Uh, I sent that over to you to review before I post it. So check that out. So there's uh, certainly written content alongside the podcast. That is everyone that's, well, there's other folks doing cool stuff as well, but it's holidays. Everyone, you know, take your time. Enjoy your family and friends. Uh, Julian and I will sit here and podcast, but that's fine. Uh, (laughs) That's it. Wrap it up, please. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this week's edition of Konzenshu, the podcast. Thank you very much. Take us next time. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And uh, see you later. Bye.